0: Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience uh, Show podcast uh, with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have another amazing guest, as we always do. We always have amazing guests on this show. Um, And his name is uh, Andrea Pacini. Uh, And with Andrea, uh, uh, Andrea, he is from Italy originally. And you could probably tell from, from his surname uh, and his name. Uh, he's a presentation st- skills coach and he's the head of ideas at um, Ideas on Stage UK. Uh, he loves working with a lot of business owners and leaders and really kind of helping them to become more confident speakers. But also helps them with their presentation skills and learning more about, you know, um, communication, which is so important, especially if you're trying to get your message out there and it. It, I suppose, hitting a note with your key audience. Now, Andreas worked with lots of different companies, including people like Microsoft and uh, you know the big sports brand Lacoste as well, and the World Bank and over five hundred different TEDx speakers as well, which is an amazing accomplishment. Now, some of the things that we're going to be talking about today, ladies and gents, is how you can guys can become a more uh, confident presenter, if you like, uh, and when we think about present a presenter, that could be like you know you pitching yourself. That could be you uh, giving a talk of some sort. But you know, it's in in a broad term presenter, as in you're the main face, you're the main star of the show, if you like. So the things that we're going to be talking about is first of all, and we're actually going to be talking about uh, Andrea's um, uh, first encounter as a present uh, presenter and, and the kind of like, I suppose how it w- was well received and his emotional thoughts and processes going through there. We're also going to be talking about mental blocks. So if you've ever been in a situation where you may have um, you know, prepared for a speech or, or or a presentation and there's mental blocks, and I know that I've experienced it myself, how do you get over those mental blocks? What are they? How do you deal with them? etc we're also going to be talking a little bit about extroverts and introverts because i feel like some of you guys that are listening in you know you're probably thinking to yourself well extroverts are they better presenters than introverts and so we're going to have a opinion and a debate around that as well uh we're also going to be talking a little bit about um some of the uh you know, if you guys done any presenting at all, whether it be speaking with a small group, large group, or whatever it is, and things didn't work out the way that you wanted them to in terms of your expectation, and you feel like, I don't know, maybe you're zapped in confidence, right? And it's like, you can't get your head out the sand, and you just need to, you know, you need to get some a dose of inspiration uh, from Andrea, and 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 hopefully he's going to be able to kind of inject something into you so that you can get yourself out of your comfort zone and get back into the thing. So, enough chit chat from me. I'm looking forward to today's conversations. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. Looking forward to this. Absolutely, hundred percent. Um, <clears throat> interesting. I love today's conversations. I'm really looking forward to today. So I'd love to know more about, I mean, I know that originally you're from Italy. I know you're based in the UK, which is kind of cool. When you first got into the whole kind of like presentations, you know, speaking arena, if you like, um, what from your perspective, what was your first real encounter, you know, in dealing with like presenting yourself like what was the background behind that you know was it a good experience was it a was it a holy crap um i'm gonna kind of like crap my pants type of experience like what was what was you know and where was it received i'd love to know more about that
1: yeah so i remember adam at the very beginning of my entrepreneurial journey helping uh, other people, as you said, business owners, leaders, and the teams become more confident presenters. I would one of the things I used to do. I used to run, host, and deliver presentation for prospects in in central London. So mm-hmm. I would gather a few people in a room. I would hire a room, so there was a cost involved, and and my objective was to at least be in front of on a regular basis. Let's say 10, 20 people. And I wanted to deliver an educational piece of content, insightful, with the objective, of course, to invite those who were interested in a follow-up conversation with me to see whether or not there was a fit between what they may be looking for from a presentation skills perspective and what I could offer. Right. And I remember, Adam, the very first session I ran, I was there, I prepared, I rehearsed there, I was good to go, super excited. And... Nobody turned up. I was there waiting. Nobody turned up. Like nobody, zero. And and then I did it again. So you were talking about the emotional impact, the emotional impact. I, I think the, the in those situations, the less emotional you are about it, the better. And it's easier said than done because it's tough. But I just did it again and it happened again. Nobody turned up. And it right. happened for a few times. And then eventually, things over the years, things change. Uh, then what happens is that you do it again, one people comes, uh, one person comes, and then and then two people, and then the week after, you've got five people, and then 10 people, and then you end up speaking in front of 100 people, 200 people, 500 people. So at the very beginning, it wasn't uh, everything great. And because you asked about the background as well, if you want, I can also give you A super quick background about how I ended up doing what I'm doing. Now, the reason why I'm so passionate about public speaking, Adam, is because you mentioned Italy. When I was a little kid, growing up in Italy, I grew up in a family of very small business owners. My my parents Mm. have always been running their own very small business together. They still do. Mm. And so as a kid, I saw the challenges because Raising four kids while trying to run a business is not easy, but I also saw in them the spark, the entrepreneurial mindset, the, the proactive approach to life. And so that's why I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, to run my own thing. Now, I don't know about you, Adam, but for me, in reality, that remained a dream for a long time because before doing what I'm doing now, I tried many things, started many projects, all of them failed. But it was useful because in that process, and we can talk about these failures as well if you're interested, but in that process, what I realized was that there are so many great ideas that fail, not because of the ideas themselves, Mm -hmm. but just because of the way they are presented. And so that's why, to cut it short, over the years, I became a presentation coach. That's why my mission is to stop great ideas from failing just because of the way we present them. My mission, Adam, is to help business owners, leaders, and the teams share their message so they can grow the business, increase the influence, and make a positive
0: impact in the world. Love it. Some good stuff there. Some re- really good stuff. I love that perspective as well. Um, <clears throat> how do you, um, I, I mean, from experience, I mean, you've done <clears throat> lots of presentations over the years. You work with lots of clients as well what have you found in terms of like some of the mental blocks that hold people back in terms of presenting, you know, whether it be an idea, uh, whether it be pitching or whatever it is, what have you found, whether it be on a personal level, but also working with clients, what what do you view as some of the mental blocks that prevent them from, you know, whether it be getting out of their comfort zone and making that first big presentation or, you know, Pitching to a large company, or they've had that opportunity to do so, um, I'd just love to find out what your thoughts are about that.
1: yeah, so there are a few things we can explore here the number one is very common uh, fear of public speaking. It's it's right. uh, one of the, the the main fears we have. And we all feel something when presenting. Adam, I'm a presentation coach. I give presentations all the time. I help others do the same, but I also feel nervous before presenting. Mark Twain is supposed to have said that there are only two types of speakers, those who get nervous and those who are liars. So if somebody tells you I get up on stage, I feel nothing, then I'm not 100% sure about that. So that's that's definitely a a mental block and the the be- in my experience Adam, the best way to either overcome or at least address in a positive way fear of public speaking, nervousness, anxiety around this particular thing. Is to know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. and the best way to know what you're talking about is to rehearse. See, many presenters, many business leaders. I'm not talking about students, junior professionals, even ex- very experienced professionals. They give a, they give presentations. They don't rehearse. They just uh, they just wing win it. it. They just go out there. <laughs> maybe they <have> prepare <laughs> some slides, and re- rehearsing is super important. And we can talk about it. So so that's one thing. Another mental block, if you want, is around authenticity. Mm. A lot of people, even my clients, when we start working together, I give them suggestions around, for example, how to develop a compelling message, including storytelling elements in their presentations, including emotions, touching both the logical part and the emotional part of people's brain with stories, anecdotes, examples, analogies, and there's resistance there. Or from a delivery perspective, we work on things like making eye contact with the audience or using your body language effectively, hand gestures, the way you use your voice. And also there's resistance there. And one of the comments I often hear is, this doesn't feel authentic. I want to be authentic. This is not me. And my answer to that is that In a way, authenticity is an excuse for not changing. Mm. So of course you want to be authentic, of course you want to be yourself, but you want to be the best authentic version of of yourself. Mm. So that's another mental block. There are many, many others we can explore. For now, if that's okay, I would pause here because I don't want to speak all Mm. the time but I'm happy to to go deeper if if that's the case.
0: Well, actually, they were saying they come come off the back of this because you mentioned about authenticity. Now, I'm, I'm big I'm big into authenticity. You know, I think it's um, it's one of my core values. But then, how does one know? Uh, you shared a really good example of you know your clients have turned around and said, "Oh, you know, this doesn't feel authentic or natural." Right. I'm I'm assuming that's probably what they mean. It doesn't feel natural. But then how does that kind of work in terms of authenticity or that natural state versus the comfort zone? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, how does one try to not overcome, but to try to separate the two between? Does that make sense? Because obviously you have to get out of your comfort zone in order to grow, right? We all know that. But it, then is it's is kind of this fine line between the natural state of mind of things of what we do, whether be, you know, something different, whether it be presenting or whatever it might be versus the comfort zone. What's your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah. And I agree with you, Adam, that there's no, if we think about it, there's no contradiction between the two. So you mentioned mm. comfort zone, presenting is not natural. That's exactly what they mean. Now, first mm. of all, yes, presenting is not a natural thing to do. We are not born with the ability, the skill to speak in front of a group of people, whether that's online or face to face, presenting is not a natural thing to do, and as a consequence, it requires us accepting that we need to go out or outside of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. by definition. Now, what, what I mean by authenticity. Can be an excuse for not for not learning, for not changing, is that you can be authentic, you can be yourself, you don't have to be Steve Jobs, you don't have to be Simon Sinek when you speak in public, you don't have to be Oprah. You have to be, you can and you have to be yourself, but you 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 have to be and you have to become. If you want to be an effective speaker if you want to achieve your objective when presenting we can also talk about that because having a very mm-hmm. clear objective is really important mm-hmm. if you want that you have to be the best authentic version of yourself so if you work on your presentation skills if you and w- when i say presentation skills you have to work on your ability to craft a captivating message. You have Mm -hmm. to work on your ability to deliver the message in a way that's comfortable and convincing. If you do these things, you are not becoming someone else. You are still authentic. So what we need to understand from a mental perspective, you are still yourself, but you are just becoming a better version of yourself. Mm -hmm. You're just yourself. You're still yourself. You're just a better public speaker.
0: You know, um, they're saying that I picked up, actually, because when you talk about the... We'll go back to the the whole kind of natural, authentic, um, and why people may feel like they're not... You know, like you've mentioned, no one is a natural-born speaker, right? No one is a natural, authentic, you know, that, that they were born to be on the stage type of thing, which, is, which makes complete sense. But then, from your perspective... Do you feel like um, what I, I think from my perspective, it's like, you know, if I want to be a if I want things to be more flowy, if I want things to be more natural, like it comes off my, you know, it comes off my tongue and, and I can lip read something. But then in terms of mentally, have you found, you know, especially with working with lots of different people, is that the first thing they're thinking about is they might be comparing themselves to somebody else. That they may have seen on stage, and the first thing they're thinking about is, "I'm never going to be as good as them." So I guess my question is, how does one get away from the whole kind of, "I need to compare myself to those great speakers or whoever it is or a leader or thought leader"? How do I get around the whole kind of like, "I need to compare"? I need to compare myself to those types of people.
1: Yeah, uh, Adam, I think that. Comparing yourself to other people, other great speakers, is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. What I find is that if you compare yourself with one particular speaker, Mm. that tends not to work really well. So you compare yourself with, again, with Steve Jobs, with Brene Brown, with Brian Stevenson. It doesn't work. And that's where there's in in or known authenticity there. but mm-hmm. I, I find that it works it can work really well if you not necessarily compare yourself, but if you if you try and learn and pick skills up from many speakers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you do that, you look, for example, Adam is a great speaker. I can learn something from Adam. Daniel is another great speaker. I can learn from Daniel. Lee is a fantastic speaker. I can learn from Lee. And so you compare yourself or you learn from other speakers. And then you take one technique from Adam, one approach from Lee, another particular tactic from Daniel, and then you bring them to yourself and you make them work for you based on who you are, what makes you comfortable, what your context is who your audience is. So again, nice. comparing yourself is not necessarily a bad thing, but I find that if you compare yourself with one person, one speaker in particular, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If you try and learn from many speakers and then you make it your own, that kind of comparison tends to work much better.
0: Yeah. Like that. That's some good advice, that one. Very good. Um, I, I have to ask you this because um, I, I reckon some of our listeners will probably be probably thinking about that. Um, we have a mixture of extroverts and introverts of, of of listeners and stuff. And I suppose half the world is is kind of like 50-50 split. Some of us are more hybrid or whatever it is. Are extroverts better than introverts when it comes to presenting? What I suppose that's my first question. And my second question is, is if I am an introvert and I want to be a better presenter, are, are, are there is there any sort of um, uh, tips that we could or what we could learn from extroverts that can make a better presenter? Yeah.
1: So first of all, I think that no, extroverts are not necessarily better than introverts at, at speaking. Now, again, I, I don't want to take me as an example, Adam, but because that's what I do, I'm a presentation coach. Hmm. I'm an introvert. I, I'm not an extrovert. I, I'm. On, I love being on stage and that's the interesting thing you can enjoy presenting can become exciting for you even if you're not an extrovert i'm not an extrovert Uh, for example i hate i don't know about you adam i hate networking i hate one-to-one networking (laughs) with small groups it's it's not my thing also because i'm an introvert but then being on stage is a different thing so you can be a great presenter even if you're not an extrovert now For introverts, what we Mm -hmm. we need to understand is that there's a structured way of thinking about presenting. If we want to become more confident presenters, even for introverts, a lot of people think, Adam, their confidence comes from either wishful thinking or innate or blind self-belief. No, confidence comes from Familiarity, first of all. The more we do certain things, the more confident we we, we become at doing those things. And confidence also comes from the process you follow, the structure you follow. There's a structured way of thinking about presenting from the foundation of the presentation process, which is really about understanding your audience, what they need, and the context. Because it's not your presentation. It's always the audience's presentation. You go from there to learning how to brainstorm effectively to identify your key messages. Mm. You go from there to you need to understand how to translate your key messages into a clear and engaging storyline from the very beginning where you need to be able to capture the audience's attention to the very end where you need to make it very clear to your audience what was your point, why they should care about it, what do you want them to do afterwards after that so that's how you develop a compelling message if for example you need visuals to support your message you need to be able to avoid the typical death by powerpoint people can't read or listen at the (laughs) same time and then from there we also need to understand how to prepare properly so that we can make a good connection with the audience so that's the delivery side of things and even introverts going back to your question if they follow a structured process, a framework, it doesn't matter whether you are introvert or an extrovert, you can be a great presenter. You can definitely become a more confident presenter.
0: Love it. Some good stuff. You mentioned something at the very beginning, uh, being an introvert, that you dislike networking, but you're happy to stand up on a stage in front of hundreds of people. So, okay, so... Now, I'm going to be a, a little play. I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit now because networking to me is still presenting, right? Yeah. You're still introducing yourself, you're still saying hi to people. What's the difference between speaking on stage in front of hundreds of people, right, and having a dialogue and going into a room which might feel a little bit kind of uncomfortable, you know, And you know, you you have this kind of like awkward state of mind of, oh, I don't want to kind of intrude on people. What's the two differences between the two scenarios?
1: Yeah. So, on the one hand, you are a hundred percent right. Then, and you mentioned that in your introduction at the very beginning when we talk about presentation skills, presenting it doesn't have to be a formal presentation in front of a group of Mm -hmm. people, right? Anyway, we are always presenting, so it's always. It's, there's always a communication context, even in networking. You're right. Now, there are a couple of things that that differentiate, for me, the two scenarios. One is the whole preparation before an actual presentation on stage. And when I say on stage, it doesn't have to be in person. It could be an online stage. But the preparation there is different. Again, you go through the entire presentation journey, you prepare it, and then... The spotlight is on you. People are there to listen to you. You give that presentation. You have a particular objective that you want to achieve. You can see after the presentation whether or not you've you've achieved your objective. There is a different dynamic that you can experience, that you can live, that you can breathe when you are on stage, which, which at least for me, I'm not saying that this is the truth. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's different. I don't have the same feeling in a... In a networking environment the other thing and probably adam that's the main thing i find that often maybe not always but at least in my experience networking is a lot about people being there pretending that they want to listen to others but all they want (laughs) to do is they just want to sell uh, uh, their uh, promote what they do their services their products so I don't know why it's just a different dynamic. It doesn't work it. really well for me.
0: I get it. I get it. I get it. I can, I, I, that's, that's really funny, actually. It's really funny. Um, was there ever a time, like from your perspective, of you, and you may have experienced this, or maybe you've got um, a story of, of of a client that you worked with? But has there ever been a time where, um, whether you, you you know, you've done a presentation, or you've done a speech, or, or whatever it might be, and it just kind of went wrong for whatever reason. It just went right. It didn't meet your expectation. You you didn't feel good about it. Uh, you may have, I don't know, you may be sort of swallowing your own medicine here and sort of saying, has there ever been a time like that? What like, what was the scenario? How did it make you feel? Uh, the first thing. And secondly, you know, what would you have done next time in terms of like, you know, if you was to be able to do have that opportunity again.
1: Yeah. So Adam, I can give you a an example, something real that happened to one of our clients. And then if we have time, I'm happy to share my own experience as well. And also your question is very much connected to the importance of setting yourself the right objective when presenting. So we can talk about it only if there is an interest. But, f- but first, let me let me share with you this actual thing that happened to one of our clients. Her name is Marie from Paris in France. Marie is an executive. She's an expert in leadership. And she was invited by an association in Finland to give a talk about leadership. And she was super excited. It was one of the first international speaking opportunities. So she prepared really well. Nice. She knew her message. She told us that she prepared 55-0, 50, 50 beautiful slides. And also she rehearsed properly. So she was ready to go. Nice. She flew to Finland the day before yeah. the conference, then arrived there half half an hour before the audience because she wanted to make sure that she had time to set things up. And when she was about to connect her laptop to the screen, she realized that there was no screen. So a little bit of panic, she went and asked the organizers, assuming that they would say, oh, sorry, Marie, now we're going to fix this for you. We're going to find a screen for you. But what they did instead was they started laughing. They started laughing. And so she says, why are you laughing? And they say, look, Marie, you want to show 50 slides, but actually you've been invited to give a talk to the association in Finland of blind people oh my goodness
0: me (laughs) blind people now adam i know
1: i know it's an extreme example it sounds like a bad joke but it happened for real you see marie because you asked okay what would you have done differently so let's put ourselves in marie's shoes marie was very well prepared apart from one thing she didn't know her audience She didn't even take the time to translate the name of the association from Finnish to French, and she would have realized that perhaps there was no need to have 50 beautiful slides. So the lesson for us is that every time we give a presentation, the very first thing we need to do, and believe you or not, Adam, most people, including business owners, entrepreneurs, business Mm -hmm. experienced Business leaders, most of them don't do. The very first thing we need to do, rather than opening up PowerPoint and putting together some slides, rather than even thinking about our message, what we have to, com- what we want to communicate, we need to start with the audience. We need to take some time and ask ourselves some questions about the audience: Who are they? Their burning needs. What do they really need? What do they expect? from your presentation and also the context as well. And that's the only way, the only way for us to be able to create and deliver a presentation which is relevant to the audience.
0: Love it, some good stuff that. You know, actually that prompted me to, to ask you something because I know that um, some of our listeners that maybe uh, some of them are speakers or present on on a regular basis. How do you, um, and you probably have this actually, so we'll use Marie as a, as a really good example, someone that's will, well, well-oiled, well well-rehearsed, um, etc. but how do you deal with the whole kind of perfectionism? Because I know that there are going to be people that want things to go so smoothly, right? They're so well-rehearsed and well-oiled in their mind, and then suddenly, you know, they're faced with, whether it be a technology problem or whatever it might be. And then suddenly it's like a world like crumbles around them and like the, the the whole, you know, and then, and it becomes a complete disaster. What advice do you have for those people that, you know, that really kind of like have like, I wouldn't call it a stigma, but it's more of around a, a kind of a, a chip around kind of, you know, everything needs to be perfect in order for it to be, in know, in order for it to be uh, absolutely smooth sailing. Um, any advice there?
1: Yeah, my advice would be not. So first of all, we want to, we have to rehearse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody has to rehearse. It's impossible right. to give a great presentation without rehearsing. And we can yep. talk about what rehearsing means because there is a big difference between rehearsing and practicing, which is what most people do. So Mm. we need to rehearse, but the, the other thing that we need, my advice would be we don't have to memorize our content because you're right. If we memorize our content, then if we memorize it word for word, if we forget one word, then, then what do we do next? Or as you said, if there is a glitch with technology, what do we do next? But Even if you don't memorize, you have to get to a point where you've internalized your content. Internalizing your content means that you've rehearsed it, that you know exactly what to say and when, even if every time you say it, you use different words, different phrases, different sentences. That's fine. You don't have to memorize, but you have to internalize. Adam, Chris Anderson, the curator of TED, the conference, In his book, TED Talks, he uses a great analogy. He says that rehearsing is a bit like climbing a mountain. So what happens is if you climb a mountain, say, for example, that you want to get to the top of the mountain, if you start going up and then you stop, you will never get to the top of the mountain. You need to Mm -hmm. keep going up. Rehearsing is the same thing. You have a presentation coming up. Say that you rehearse once and then you stop. Of course, you will sound robotic. That's another mental block, going back to your very first question that, that I see. I don't want to rehearse because if I do, I sound robotic. No, you sound robotic, not if you rehearse, but if you haven't done it enough. So right. if you rehearse once, you will sound robotic. You need to you need to get to the top of the mountain, which means which means that you need to keep going up, you need to keep rehearsing. To a point where you've internalized your message. And a very practical piece of advice in preparation for a presentation, if you can deliver it, say that you are at home or in your office while doing something else, so if you can go through your material, if you can deliver your presentation while you are cooking or while you are driving, then then that means that you've internalized your message. So that's one thing. And then briefly, Adam, because you mentioned perfection. You know Daniel Priestley. Uh, I know. I know him as well from Dent. We've got a similar background there. He gave me a very good lesson years ago when I first started working with them with Dent. He asked us. And to to give the to give a listener some context, Dent and Daniel they help entrepreneurs. They do business accelerators for entrepreneurs, and he asked us to create a brochure for our product or service. And it took me a while, and at some point I was super excited about it because my brochure was almost done, and so I sent him a message and I said, Daniel. Uh, my, on the Facebook group, my brochure is 99% done. I was super excited about it. And he replied, he said, 99% done is not done. That's it. That, that was the, <laughs> that was the, the reply. And, and this is very much connected to the idea of perfectionism. I was being a perfectionist. My brochure was 99% done and not hundred percent done. Because I thought that it was never perfect. The same can be applied to a presentation. You see, many, many people, Adam, attend, watch uh, podcasts like these. They, they listen to, to to videos and webinars. And then what do they do? Nothing. They procrastinate. They think that now is not the right time. And so they'll wait for the perfect time, because until something is perfect, then there's nothing that we can do about it. So Mm. I would say that from a public speaking perspective, as speakers, we need to aim for personal, rather than perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect presentation.
0: Love it. Some good stuff like, very cool. You picked up something which was really interesting, something that got, got me intriguing. I do a lot of speaking myself, as you know, whether it be podcasting, online, in person, whatever it might be. And you picked up something which is really interesting and caught me um caught me intriguing. You talked about rehearsing versus practice. Now I thought that they were kind of very well, they are similar, but I thought they were also the same. Tell us. Um, obviously, there that there, there, there is some core differentiations. What what's the difference?
1: The difference is that practicing which is most people do is that b- they by the way they most people think that they are rehearsing when i ask the question do you rehearse yes and then when i go deeper i understand that they are not they are practicing now practicing right. means that for example you say that you've got some slides so you open up your laptop you go through your slides as you do that you think about what to say you start maybe repeating your presentation a little bit and then at some point you realize the, sum, the flow is not quite there, so you go back, you change things, and then you start again. That's a practice session, which is really important, but it's not enough. In addition to that, we need to get to a point where we rehearse. And rehearsing means repeating your presentation out loud, not in your head, out loud from the very beginning to the very end without stopping, as if there is... A real audience in front of you so that's one element one key difference the other key difference is the ideally and that's what great speakers do is you want to rehearse in the real world like in a in an environment in a setting which is as close as possible to the setting to the environment you will have in the real presentation and it doesn't have to be complicated for example say that you need to give an online presentation a webinar now okay Are you going to use what tool? Maybe you're going to use Zoom. You've got some slides. Perfect. So when you rehearse, you open up your laptop, you open up Zoom, you make sure that you've got your slides there, you've got your camera, your microphone, your lighting, everything. So you recreate conditions which are as close as possible to the conditions you will have in in the actual presentation. That makes a big difference. That's what great speakers do. And that's the difference between just practicing and rehearsing.
0: Love it. Some good stuff. there. Interesting here. One of the things that comes to my mind, especially when it comes to uh, I mean, it could be related to kind of rehearsing and practicing, but more around the whole kind of like um, present presenting than anything else. What um, what's the best advice for, you know, for some of our listeners that, you know, are there any rituals that you advise people to do? prior to presenting, whether it be a webinar, whether it be a podcast, whether it be standing on stage and pitching to investors, I mean, each different scenario, of course, but there might be some rituals that you advise people. What, 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 what's, what are the, some of the rituals that you advise?
1: I'm glad that you asked this question, Adam, because because the answer is yes. There's There's a ritual, for example, that I go through before any presentation, and I would encourage everybody to do the same great speakers have some kind of a ritual or routine before an important event, before a presentation. Now, my routine, my ritual, if you want, it's a kind of warm-up sequence that I do, and it doesn't have to take long. It could be just one minute. It's a combination of something I've learned from, and you may know him because he's also, he was part of, he's part of the DAND community. Uh, Adam, do you know Lee Warren?
0: Yes, he rings a bell.
1: Yeah, Lee Lee is a fantastic speaker, and he's also written a great book, The Busy Person's Guide to Great Presenting. A great, great speaker, and I've learned something, many things, but this particular, this warm-up from him, so I use his approach and a combination of my own learning over the years. So what I do is, first of all, I breathe, I take some time, even if it's just a few seconds, breathing is super powerful. There's a very strong connection between breathing and the quality of your voice. And for obvious reasons, voice is a very powerful communication tool. So breathing, it could be as simple as breathing in slowly through your nose and then breathing out through your mouth. And what I do, for example, Adam, I do this three or five times. I breathe in and I count to four. And then I breathe out and I count to six. And for me, it's Hmm. important that when I breathe out, that's longer than when I breathe in. It helps me relax. And now without getting into too many details, but it's also important that when you breathe, you breathe with your belly, not with your chest. Yep. Like babies. Babies, when they are born, we breathe with a belly. And then as we grow older, we start breathing with a chest. Chest breathing is panic breathing or adam i know that you are or you were a runner right yeah you are so when you run when you do sport then we breathe from our chest which is fine in that particular setting but then if we want to relax we need to breathe with our with our belly and uh, without getting into too many details but that's one thing from a breathing perspective after that i do vocal warm-ups so and this is something I've learned from Lee Warren. So my sequence is: first of all, I do, I say something like, hmm, hmm. It's a bit like when you have a something that you really like. Like kids, they have a piece of chocolate, hmm, that's really good. Hmm, hmm. And you do that three or five three or five times. It's a it's a vocal warm-up. Then after that, you want to say A sentence that has a lot of M's and N's. The letters M and N. So Lee suggests a phrase like, especially if it's a sales presentation, a sales speech, remember the money. Remember the (laughs) money. And you repeat it. And you need to exaggerate it. It's not remember the money. It's remember the money. You you, you really want to exaggerate it to warm up the muscles here. After that, Lee suggests that you say a sentence, which requires more concentration, because remember the money, it doesn't require concentration. You could say something like, when you write copy, you have the right to copyright the copy you write. So you need to think about it. When you write copy, you have the right to copyright the copy you write. And again, you say that three or five times. And then finally, so you see, we are getting closer and closer to the kind of mental state and concentration that we need to have during a presentation after that you repeat you want to repeat the very first sentence or the opening the very first paragraph of your presentation it could be welcome everybody welcome to this web class how to become a more confident presenter this session is designed for business whatever it is that you say next so you see a bit of breathing a bit of walk vocal warm-ups up to a point where you repeat the very the opening of your presentation, it
0: could take just one minute, and you're good to go. Very good. You know, it's interesting. Um, I guess we all have our own um, rituals, if you like, when it comes to warming up. And I, I'm going to quickly share with you guys that are listening in in terms of my warm up. But I suppose I, I I I'm quite similar to Tony Robbins. So I like to get the adrenaline going. And uh, I don't know if you've ever, ever seen Tony Robbins on stage, uh, ladies and gents, but what he tends to do is he tends to uh, jump up, up and down on the, on, the, on a spot uh, just to get the old adrenaline going. Like for me, I stick on trance music because I'm a big trance music fan. OK, so I like to get the adrenaline going. I like to get the, uh, I like to get, you know, I just like to get pumped, really. So I do a few press ups uh i might do uh you know i i just like i'd like to get sweaty a little bit just to kind of get get that excitement going but i guess we all have you know we all have different ways in which um, you execute and you know deliver that message in such a way because for me i have very high i'm a, I'm, I'm what what we call a, a presenter who has very high energy so one way to contain that is by exploding some of that energy out prior to actually going up on stage. But um I just wanted to kind of share that with you. But anyway.
1: <laughs> uh, Adam, so a, a couple of thoughts there, because the lesson for us is that there's no good or bad approach. There's only right. an approach that works for each individual person. So yep. you you've got you 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 like and it works for you the Tony Robbins approach and I've seen Tony Robbins I know what you mean when he when he jumps up and down from a spot visualization I,
0: stuff like that yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah, Definitely. I I tend to I'm a kind of an opposite I, I need to relax and breathe mm-hmm. that that kind of I, I need that kind of dynamic uh, now I know that you like controversial thoughts or comments <laughs> and so let me let, let me let me say something and i know what yeah. i don't want to say anything controversial based on what you said would, let, let me bring it up let me bring it up so because you said that you are a very energetic speaker mm. let me say adam that an audience doesn't necessarily want energy from a speaker and i'm I'm not talking about you now yeah because you may use the word energy but maybe what you actually do on stage is something different absolutely now and yes you you mentioned tony robbins for me yeah that's that's an energetic presenter and Mm -hmm. but we we need to understand a lot of people think that in order for us to be great presenters we need to be energetic no it works for you adam Perhaps it doesn't work for me. It works for Tony Robbins. We don't have to be necessarily energetic presenters. Also because not everybody likes energy from speakers, but everybody in the audience likes dynamism. So mm. even if we are not energetic as presenters, we have to be dynamic. And there are ways to do that. Again, we can talk about it at a, from a practical perspective, but we what we need is not necessarily energy, because it will work with some audiences, not with everybody, but it will work with everybody if we are dynamic. And we can be dynamic with a body language, for example. We
0: can be dynamic with the way we use a voice. Love it. I, I think uh, with regards to the whole kind of energy thing, uh, it's a bit like a, um, a fusion or a nuclear bomb. Um, you've got to learn how to contain it and uh, know when to when's the right time to uh, not explode as such, but, you know, being able to contain that energy in the right way, as you've mentioned, dynamism or be dynamic. Um, And, uh, but also to be mindful of that, not everyone within the audience is going to magnetize towards you as a person. Um, I've learned that, you know, because otherwise if you feel like, you know, just because, I don't know, couple of people have left their seats the first thing you might be thinking is they don't like me well guess what there's plenty of other people that do like you right so it's kind of like that's kind of like my thought process um i want to um i know i've got one more question before we wrap up today because i'm conscious of time i know that has there ever been a a time where you you personally are working with a client where and and i know that you um share uh, the experience with marie from paris and stuff like that but someone that has maybe, uh, presented for the first time, whether it be in a pitch presentation mode, whichever mode that they, they're presenting, they screwed up, like completely screwed up. And they would love, they would love to be able to get back into the whole kind of like speaking or presenting or one way or another, but they're really zapped in confidence, right? They're really kind of like (laughs) making something like, like, a small mound hill into a mountain type of thing. Really exaggerating. How do you kind of? How do you get them back on track with regards to you know you know what? What advice would you give to someone that is maybe in that position, and uh, they'd like to do it, but they're just they're just they're just not quite there. Whether it be they're over it, or whether they're you know telling themselves or their inner critic is telling them they're not not good enough or whatever it is. Any thoughts there?
1: Yeah, a couple of thoughts, Adam. One is, and it goes back to what we said earlier, about the importance of following a certain process, a proven process, a framework. Mm. 80% of confidence, in my experience, comes from your ability to craft a compelling message. If you know how to develop a message which is simple for the audience to understand, a message which is clear for them to follow. A message which is relevant to them. A message which is, why not, also original and enjoyable. It has to be engaging. If you know how to do that, that's 80% of your job. 80% of, com- of your confidence comes from your ability to craft a captivating message. And it can be learned. It's it's not, There's no secret. There are fundamental principles of communication that we can learn for us to be able to do that. So that's one thing. The other thought I have is that even in my experience we said earlier I said earlier that it's easier said than done but the when we screw up or when things don't go as planned the more we learn about not being emotional the better the, the less emotional we are about it the better for example Adam in my business I run a it used to be a weekly web class, a presentation for prospects. Now I do it a couple of times per month. And it's an opportunity for me a couple of times per month to be in front of people who are my target audience who down the line or maybe immediately may be interested in what we have to offer. Now right I uh, recently I was looking at my numbers, our numbers from last year, the the conversion rates and everything. Now out of everybody who attended my web classes last year, I had, or we had, you know, with people in our team, a sales, let's say a sales conversation, a discovery call with 20% of them, which means that 80% didn't decide to, to go ahead and have a conversation with us. Now, One reason why that's the case is because we select who we want to work with. So there are, in reality, there are a lot of people during these web classes who do express an interest in having a follow-up conversation, but we don't go ahead because we know that it's not going to be a good fit. So instead of 20%, it might be much higher, but let's take 20%, then if my objective is to invite, and again, that's what I do for a living. I'm a presentation coach. My objective is to invite the audience to express their interest in a follow-up conversation with me or, or one of my colleagues. Just 20% of them do that. It means that at some level, something didn't work. There might be many reasons why. And and Adam, that's why I said earlier, this is very much connected to our objective. We screw up or we fail anytime although i don't like this word failure but things don't go well anytime we don't achieve our objective and what's the objective of a presentation that's another mistake i often see many people think that a presentation is an opportunity to share some information it's not Mm -hmm. a presentation is very bad at sharing information why because if we look at how our brain works we forget most of what we hear within just a few seconds if we want to share information, great, but there's no need to give a presentation. Think about your audience, give them a document, give them a coffee, give them some time so that they can drink the coffee and read your document. And then you share some ideas, you answer the questions, much more effective. With the presentation, you don't want to inform your audience. You want to transform them. Transformation, you need to be able to change something either in what they believe or in what they feel or even better in what they do. If after your presentation, your audience doesn't believe, feel, or do anything new or different, then you've wasted your time. And even worse, you've wasted theirs.
0: Yeah, love that. Some good stuff. Um, I know we're out of time, but I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversations. Uh, We've covered a lot of groundwork, ladies and gents. I hope that you have, well, number one, I hope you've enjoyed the conversation that we're having uh, between each other. Um, My... um, I was going to say to you, for you guys that are listening in and would like to find a bit more about Andrea and, and and how he can potentially help you with presentation skills, what I would endorse you guys to do is to check out his links below, and um, and also there is a is, is a great quiz there as well that you can fill in uh, to your heart's content and uh, and 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 you know fill that in. Andrea, I just want to say thanks so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Adam. It was great. Thank you.
0: So for you guys that are listening in, um, hope you've enjoyed today's show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We've covered a lot of groundwork. Do me a favor. If you if you love the show and you love about what we're doing, please do me a favor. I would really greatly appreciate it if you could leave a one or a five-star review. A five-star review would be better, of course, on Apple or on Spotify. Um, be open. Be honest. Uh, reach out to us uh, if you have any comment questions. Uh, my email is hello at If you want to get on the show do me a favor please don't do what everyone else is doing which is giving me your life story and your pitch okay because it really pisses me off please just get straight to the point why do you want to be on the show and uh what is your big usp that's all i would really want to know <laughs> i just want to be blunt because i get at least three to four messages on a daily basis uh, from uh, from people that want to be on the show. But we have such a big demand at the moment. It's in, insane. Anyway, listen, enough ranting. Enough, uh, enough from me. Enough, from Andrea. Hope you enjoyed today's uh, show. And we'll speak to you soon. Take care. And see you soon. Cheers now.